Our scripture text tonight comes from Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good evening, everyone. I'm very grateful to be with you on today. Everybody's trying to figure out why I don't have a suit and a bow tie on. Uh, I knew where I was coming. I actually dressed up for you guys today. I, uh, I, I preached at my church in a t-shirt today. And so we had, we had um, a, a sons and daughters retreat uh, of leaders in Sevierville. And, uh, and we just came straight from there. And I just didn't feel like putting on a suit. Uh, uh, but I just appreciate the opportunity to be with you on today. You know you guys are my family, and it's been a long time. And so I'm very grateful for uh, your attendance and, and just for allowing me to participate in your worship service. I want to um, first thank God for my friend, uh, Pastor Doug Bannister, who has been a phenomenal uh, gift to our city. But not just that. He's been a wonderful friend. Uh, the Bible says that a, a brother... Is born for adversity. A friend loveth at all times, and he has been both a brother and a friend to me and my family. So I want to publicly celebrate him and thank him for his service to me and to you and to this city. Uh, second of all, I think that it is extremely important. The Lord has been talking to me about the importance of encouraging people and, and uh, also affirming people. Uh, the worship was absolutely amazing, wouldn't you say? All right. Thank you. Yeah. Clap, 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 clap. Worship was absolutely amazing. Uh, Matt, there you go. Uh, just, man, uh, I was just caught up in, in, in the atmosphere and just I could have listened um, and participated in worship another 30 minutes. So thank you uh, so much for creating an atmosphere for us to, uh, to, to, to tap into God's presence. Thank you so much. And, and to Blair. Uh, where are you? I'm mad at you because you, you preached my sermon. Okay, so I got to come up with something right quick uh, because re- yes, everything you said, the Lord had already spoke to me about that and uh, your great gift to the kingdom of God. Y'all ready for the word? All right. Pray with me. Pray for me um, as we go forth. Father, I'm elated and shocked and confused every time I think about how you would use someone who is broken and bruised and sinful as me to represent somebody that is holy and awesome and majestic as you. I thank you for choosing the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. I thank you that you've called us to be people who reflect your image in the earth, 
that those that are in the darkness might have a reason to be drawn into the marvelous light. Thank you for your word. It is a lamp unto our feet. It is a light into our path. It's a double-edged sword. It separates both bone and marrow, spirit and soul. It's the word that ultimately becomes our faith. For faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord. And we can't even please you according to your word outside of faith. Thank you, Lord, that even as we are garnering and gathered around the cross today to worship you, you are working something out in our lives. That you're already moving on our behalf. That even, even the people that are not here, you're moving on their behalves even right now. And for that, I'm, I'm grateful. I'm not going to ask you to bless the word. The word is already blessed. I'm going to ask that you would open up our hearts to be able to receive the incorruptible seed of the word of God, that we might be good ground. That as the word of God falls in our hearts, that ultimately it will produce a harvest that we would hide thy word in our heart, that we would not sin against you. Thank you that you've called us to be reconciled to you, but you didn't stop there. You've given us the ministry of reconciliation to be reconciled to one another. And for that, we give you praise. I speak favor over us. I decree and declare that goodness and mercy is following us. That Christ is in us right now, which gives us the hope of glory. We believe it to be done. It is so. And so it is in Jesus' name. And all God's people say amen. I want you to do something for me. I know you just prayed. Some of you with your eyes closed. Some of you look straight at me. <laughs> but I want you to close your eyes one more time. And, and as, you're, as you close your eyes, I want to read the passage that was just read to you out of the message translation so that you might get an image, that, that, that you might place yourself in this passage and, and embrace this passage so it's not just an intellectual academic exercise for the next 30 minutes. Hebrews 12 verse 1 says this in the Message Bible. Do you see what I mean? All these pioneers who who blazed the way, all these veterans cheering us on. It means we we better get on with it. We got to strip down and start running and never quit. No extra spiritual fat, no parasitic sin. Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished the race we're in. Study how he did it. Because he never lost sight of where he was headed. The exhilarating, exhausting finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way. The cross, the shame, whatever. And now he's there. He's in a place of honor right alongside with God. And when you yourself find yourself flagging in your faith, go over that story again. 
item by item, that long litany of hostility he plowed through that will shoot adrenaline into your souls. God's word for God's people. I read that, I read that passage the other day, and it did something to me. It, 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 it rekindled something in me. It, it, it restored something in me. It, it began to allow me to refocus. You see, Daryl Arnold is, is a guy that is driven and, 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 and I can have my mind on something and take off running, but I can easily be distracted. I don't focus very well. When I was in, um, when I was in college, I, I, was a, I worked at Regal Cinema, downtown West. And uh, I had the good job. I, I, I didn't take the tickets. I wasn't the usher. Uh, I was the projectionist. Showing my age, right? That's the projectionist. Now I think they have some digital stuff. But but back then, the projectionist was the person that they would take these reels and and they would they would line them up. And when when one of the movies broke, you would have to splice it back together again. You don't hear it in the theaters now, but back then, if you sat close to the back, you would hear beneath the sound of the 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 audio, you would hear tick 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 tick. Because there were frames back then. And, and, and as, as I was learning how, how to, how to thread, thread the film, they, they talked to me about something called a whimsical button. I never even heard of the word. But it, it, was, it was a whimsical button and it was on the side of the projector. And, and they said, this is one of the most important buttons on the entire projector, projector, what it does is it aligns the, the, the film and the frame to make sure that it stays in focus. And, and I said to them, why, why do I have to stay up here for two hours after I've already framed it, after I've already started the movie? Why do I just sit here for two hours every single movie? Just sit here. Why in the world would I do that? And they said, because... Because what you don't understand and what even the audience doesn't understand downstairs is because of the friction of the machine. Every time you hear the tick, 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 it's slowly throwing the movie out of focus. And so, so you don't realize it because there's someone upstairs that as the movie is getting out of focus, you don't realize it. You're just kind of watching the movie. You're eating popcorn. You're, 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 you're just doing your own thing. As the movie is getting out of focus, you don't realize it because there's somebody upstairs that's refocusing it. And you don't even realize it. You never appreciate the projectionist. And you have no idea that if it weren't for the person upstairs, by the time the movie was over, the whole movie would have been out of focus. There's no such thing as you staying focused. Just get that out of your head. 
You're not going to stay focused. I don't care how long you've been saved. I don't care how much Bible you read. I don't care how many hymns you, 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 you memorize. I don't care how much scripture you get. You're not going to stay out of focus because the, the life that we lived is filled with tick, 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 tick. You lose your job, tick, 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 tick. When you're struggling in your marriage, tick, 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 tick. When you're getting older and you have to bury a loved one, it's, you're getting out of focus. So there's no such thing, family, is staying in focus. But what God is challenges us to do, challenging us to do, is not stay in focus, it's to refocus. That, that's the beauty of coming to church to me. That's the beauty of doing a daily devotion to me. That, that's the, the beauty of tapping into that worship today. You see, you see, some people were listening to you sing. But as I was tapping into the worship, it was refocusing me. There's no such thing as a marriage that lasts that hadn't gotten out of focus. They're lying to you. Anybody that has been married over five years or five months, shucks, five days, they're lying to you if they just tell you everything's just been great. No, if your marriage has made it, it's not because you stay focused. It's because you kept refocusing or at least you look to the guy upstairs. I said, God, life is crazy right now. And I'm going to miss the movie if you don't refocus me. That's what this passage is about, man. The entire passage, these, these little three verses that I'm going to work on today, it, it is not about you staying focused. It's about you, you asking God to refocus you. And, and look what he says. He gives this illustration, this, this allegory, this word picture of your will. He, he gives these, this, this homily about purpose and about our lives and destiny. Because each and every person in this room right now, you are, you're here for a reason. You're not here haphazardly. You're not just alive and, and breathing and even sitting in this church because your mom and your father met each other back in the day and they had you know you, 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 were, you were ordained to be here. You, you, were, you were destined to be here in this place, in this city, at this time, to even listen to this preacher and listen to this word to shift the very content of your life. You are here on purpose. Let me tell you something for those of you that have gathered today and you feel like I don't have a purpose in my life is over and I don't know what I'm called to do and I could just die and God there's no use for me and I don't feel like how I fit in with anything and I'm just kind of existing. Let me tell you something if you can feel your pulse if you still have a pulse you still have a purpose. The day you can't feel your pulse your purpose has expired. So if you're here today, God is not finished with you yet. He's not finished with you yet. I don't care how young you are, how old you are. I don't care whether you live in Farragut or you, you woke up this morning up under the bridge on Broadway. God is not finished with you yet. And we serve a God that if he starts it, he finishes it. He's able to complete that which he finished. He's, he's, he's going, he's going to finish it. But you got to make sure that you're always looking up to the projectionist and say, Lord, tick, 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 tick. My life is tick, 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 
full of friction. And I need you to refocus me. That's what Paul is saying here. That's what he's saying here in Hebrews. He says, he says, listen, don't you see what this means? All these pioneers who have blazed away, all these veterans, they're cheering you on. God has, has a great cloud of witnesses in the heavens. This is not a fictional story, y'all. This is not something mystical that I'm, I'm making up. This is not just some homiletic that, that, I'm, that I'm illustrating today. This is not the allegory. This is the reality that there is a great cloud of witnesses in the heavens right now. I'm not just talking about Moses. I'm not just talking about Abraham. I'm not, I'm not just talking about Elijah. I'm talking about your grandmother who died. I'm talking about your wife who died of cancer. I'm talking about your nephew, your, your old pastor, your third grade teacher. The, I'm, t- I'm talking about all of us, all of us who are born again and those that have died in Christ. They're not just chilling in heaven. The Bible says there's a great cloud of witnesses that's cheering you on saying you can make it. You can do it. You can do it. I know life is crazy. I know it's chaotic. I know you're not doing well in school. I know the GPA has fallen. I know your children have disappointed you. I know you've had an abortion. I I know you got a divorce, but you can do it. There's a great cloud of witnesses right now that's saying you can do this. You can make it. I've blazed the way for you. And if the devil couldn't stop me, He can't stop you either. There's a great cloud of witnesses right now saying refocus. Right now. You know what he says then? Get on with it. Quit playing. Life is moving on. Get on with it. Your pity party is over. I'm busting all of your balloons. I'm throwing your cake off the table. I'm snatching the banner down. Get on with it. It may not be your fault, but it's still your problem, and you got to do something with your life. Get on with it. You know what he says? This is how you stay focused. You look under Jesus. You don't look at your bills. You don't look at the doctor's report. You don't look what's happening in the education society. You, you, don't, you don't look at what somebody said about you on Facebook or Twitter and Instagram. You don't look at, you don't look at the person who is in your church that, that, that they didn't pass the peace. They went the other way because they really don't like you. You don't look at that. You look under Jesus. You look unto the projectionness that's upstairs that says, I can't let you miss the movie You, you got you to gotta look under Jesus, who is the author. I love it. The author. The Bible calls Jesus an author. Did you hear what I just said? The, the Bible calls Jesus an author. That means, what does an author do? They write a story. Your story has been written. And God is so good that not only has he written your story, but he edited it to make sure that it turned out exactly like he wanted it to be. And guess what? He, he, he writes it, he edits it, he edits it, and the devil tries to change it around. But God says, I'm not going to publish it until it's exactly like I wanted it to be. So get on with it. Get on with it. First thing he says to do, he says, 
He says, I want you to strip down. You, you, this, is, this is what you said, my word, Blair. He says, I want you to strip down. You see, the illustration, the allegory now is a race. It's a race. And he says, listen, if you're going to run this race that I've set before you, if you're going to, to be victorious in the race that I've set before you, before you start your race, strip down. Don't try to run this type of race with all that weight on you. <laughs> Excuse me, I'm getting happy here. You, the, 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 the word race there, it, it, really, it really goes back to the word uh, that is connected to the Olympics. You see, in that particular day, these Greeks, they would come and, and they would run the race. And, and what most people don't know is the, the, the men were, were only invited to the race. And guess what? They raced naked. Thank God we're not there anymore, but. They raced naked. They had no clothes on because in their minds, it was so important to win the race that they didn't want to have anything on them that might hold them down, that might weigh them. They needed to be light. (laughs) Family, family, you're in a race right now and you're wondering why you have not gotten to where God wants you to be. And you're wondering why it feels like that you're not in the place where you have been praying for. It might be because you're not naked yet. Maybe you're carrying some stuff from yesterday that's keeping you to getting to tomorrow. Maybe you have past stuff in your backpack trying to get to the finish line of your future. And God says, it's not my fault. If you take some of this stuff off, you probably be able to get there quicker. This is in my notes, but I hear God speaking this so loud. He said, that's why you're so tired. That's why you're so tired. Tired emotionally. You're tired physically. You sleep eight hours, you wake up, you still feel tired. Because your body went to sleep, but your mind never did. You took off the clothes that you had on the night before. Oh, but you still had all that stuff in your mind, tired. And God says, strip down, get light. Then he says, and start running. Start running. He did not say, start talking about what you're going to do. Oh, it looks like Holy Ghost got your address, huh? <laughs> he didn't say start talking about what you're going to do. Church people do that all the time. Oh, we're going to do this and we're going to do that. And yeah, and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And I'm going to win souls and I'm going to go down and help people that need help. And, and when I get my degree, I'm going to do this. And when I get married, I'm going to do that. And when I get this, I'm going to do that. And you Find yourself stuck in the cesspool of complacency because you're stuck in talking about it. Talking about it. And by the time you're really ready to make the decision to stop talking and do it, 
You're too old to have the strength to get it done. Start running. You know, a beautiful passage is David and Goliath. I love that passage. I always have. The Bible says that Saul said to David, you want to fight Goliath? Here's the armor. Put it on him. You know what David says? I got to take this off. You missed it. Did you hear what I just said? David says, I can't win this fight with this stuff on me. He strips down. And then the Bible says when he saw Goliath, you know what the Bible says he did? Goliath started talking crazy about what he was going to do to David. You know what that Bible says? David ran towards the giant. This 14-year-old boy runs towards a nine-foot giant because David understands something, that if I walk to him, by the time I get there, I'm going to change my mind. I I know I'm right today because you started out walking with confidence. But when you saw how big it was, you changed your mind. You changed your mind in between Sundays. You got great revelation. See, now you're getting a you're getting a revelation from God. But let me tell you something. It doesn't matter how good the revelation is if you just talk about it. Because procrastination is the murder weapon for revelation. It kills it. So you got this revelation. But if you procrastinate, it just kills it. Then you got to come back to church and get another good word. Aren't you tired of having Groundhog's Day? 35 and older. I'm sorry. Aren't you tired of just talking about what you're going to do and getting excited and then running back from the giant and then come back next Sunday and I'm going to do, oh, Doug preached a good word. I'm going to, and then by Wednesday, he says, strip down. Start running. And I'm closing. And then he says, stay the course. That's when it's hard. That's my struggle. Stay the course. How long is the course? (laughs) I'll tell you when you get there. Isn't that how God is? Isn't that that how God is? He won't tell you how long you're running. He just says run. We've got everybody say this, and I mean say it out of your mouth, right? Everyone touch yourself and say, I must finish this time. time. Say it again. I must finish this time. How much stuff have you started that you've never finished? Think about that. How many of us have started getting a degree? Didn't finish it. You started writing a book. Didn't finish it. You started doing your daily devotion. Didn't finish it. Started saving money. 
Didn't finish it. Started giving consistently. Didn't finish it. Jesus said this. As he's hanging on the cross. Eli, Eli, lama sabathana, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? I thirst. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Woman, behold thy son, son, behold thy mother. When I come into my father's kingdom, I'll remember you. And then the Bible says, he said, it is finished. Then he died. What if Jesus would have died before he finished? We'd still be on our way to hell. If he'd have got so frustrated during the journey, he said, I quit. Jesus says, I finished. He didn't say, I quit. There's a difference. There's a difference. We say we quit, but we don't say we finished. Strip down. Start running. Stay the course. Because there's a prize waiting on us. This prize waiting on us. My son is um, running cross country. It's the first time he's done any sports. Real athletic guy. And uh, he's been doing real good, man. And I noticed that his time was better the last time he ran than ever. He's just flying. And I said to, I said to Timberland, I said, Timberland, why did you run so fast this time? And you didn't run as fast last time. She, he said, Daddy, I did something different. He said, I took my eyes off the clock and the finish line. And I decided I'd just run to you. See, his reward was no longer beating his time. Or... Or crossing the finish line. His reward was getting to me. Family. Maybe we got to stop running to beat our time. Or to beat Matt. Or to beat whoever's on the other side of me. And maybe we need to run to get to him. I don't know about you. But when I die, I want to hear the Lord say, well done, 
thy good and faithful servant. And I don't want a ribbon or a trophy as the reward. I want him. So get on with it. What are you waiting on? Strip down. Start running. Stay the course. And look unto Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of your faith.